0: Whole song is or now, now 0891-104-207. And just for the record, on Wednesday, the twenty first of August, the Nelson Mandela Foundation will host a conversation between Celo Atang and Ezecho Zulu on this book. I choose to live life. I choose to live life after losing Gugu Sophie in and around the Nelson Mandela Foundation on the twenty-first of August. Please do make your way there. We're gonna continue this conversation for ten minutes tomorrow with Sisletsechu to tell us more about this. But in studio, as promised last week, true to his word. What we know of him, what we expect of him, and what we will experience of him. Dr. Bandele Masuku, MEC for the Gauteng Department of Health is in studio. 891 104 Comments and questions to him. We continue the conversation of last week. Last week, of course, scrapped at the top of the surface. We were supposed to engage the MEC on a number of issues pertaining to health issues in Gauteng. But for want of time, we couldn't even cover half of those issues. Gauteng health sector reform plans, reviving the basic principles of batupel in the health sector, resources and personnel in public health care, overcrowding in healthcare facilities, foreign nationals in the Gauteng healthcare system, immigration issues, litigation costs, how much does Gauteng spend on those and what are the causes? MEC, good evening.
1: And good evening and thanks for having us.
0: It's good to have you back. Thank you so much for making time. You look very smart, and we understand you had a prior engagement, but you nonetheless made very sure that you were here on time, present with your pen and paper. We do appreciate the respect, and I think it's necessary as well for us just to make mention of that because it's not usual where we ask for bureaucrats to come, and they honor us as you have done. So SAFM does thank your time, and I'm sure the listeners do as well. And any time the listeners do, call 891 Shoot your questions straight through to the MEC. MEC, let's talk about the bane of... Resources. Some of these resources, or money at least intended for resources, goes through to litigation. The hunting department spends a lot of money being in and out of court, settling medical malpractice issues, really spending money, essentially, it being diverted from primary health care in the main to satisfy. Clients, consumers who are aggrieved by how they were able to purchase and experience the public healthcare system. What do you have in mind in terms of arresting this phenomenon, which really is increasing by the number? Is it personal liability? Is it professionalizing anew? What is it? There are a number of things that we are proposing to
1: introduce, but I think a true to form. There are things that we can be able to change. Sure, um, the issue of short, shortage of staff is a big issue, you know, because most of the litigation papers that I've seen, they relate to waiting time and a delayed response to a particular uh, patient in terms of condition, and not theater not being available on time, you know, particularly for patients who are about to uh, like cesarean section. So a proper diagnosis is made but then it takes time for the patient to get to theater because theater is busy at the time with another case. And if you have to open another theater, if it's available, like it's standing empty, you have to get another anesthetist, get another staff, and get all those things. So those are one of these factors that as a department, we have to sort out and get more of of it, you know. So when we deal with it, it also means that we have to improve the resourcing of the healthcare system itself, and we need resources, we need finances for that, you know. Um, I know that there are a number of you know, hospitals where we need to now make uh, adjustments of the infra- infrastructure in terms of having a give them a new theatre, develop a new theatre, new spaces for a new theatre, because we require new theatres in the, in the labour ward. So that's one part. The second part of dealing with medical litigation, which is something that should be debated and discussed, is that even the bill itself, as it's been costed, it's costed on private rates, on private healthcare pricing, and they become so much unaffordable. And one of the things that I want to argue and, and push for is that we need to do a recosting of this bill, recosting it and use our own public health sector pricing and costing and see how much it can come through. The third part is to develop centers of excellence in in our academic Hospitals which are attached to the medical schools. So, when I what I mean is that when a patient gets, when it, like the common one, is cerebral palsy, mm. the patient must be managed by a centre of excellence that is going to deal with it in a proper way, and deal with research, deal with academics, and all that. And that can be done within the medical schools, not in private so that's the other thing that we're trying to introduce so that we treat these patients in our own settings and within our own cost and i think that will keep the the whole thing maybe the last one um will be about retraining you know making sure that our staff members are retrained you know in in other aspects but really where we find in a real sense that there was omission you know most of the time that there's no medical practitioner or a nurse will wake up and go to work just to harm a patient. I don't think it's it's something that happens. It's omission, like I said, resources but sometimes lack of training, you know. So there are a number of ways, you know, the other one is they trying to cap the issue of lump sum being paid at once, you know, because when it happens that it the whole amount only end up being only Mainly taken up by law, legal fees, and all that, and the patient or the person who's suffered, they, they don't actually get anything.
0: That's a separate issue. That's a separate yeah. issue in terms of how, how the patient decides how he or she wants her money and how they spend it is probably not the province of the MEC of Outing Health. What is the province of Gauteng MEC of Health is curbing the cost that is litigation dealing with effectively your agents in the public health care sector who are indifferent, for whatever reason, they may be indifferent, for whatever reason, they may be irritated, for whatever reason, they may not be sufficiently trained. The reality is the consumer who walks through that door, looks at 195 of the Constitution, public administration, which is delineated in the Batupili principles, nine of them, they expect that, no more, no less, and they don't get that. And as a result, they walk away dissatisfied at best, Or worst, they don't even get to make it to walk away because of whatever medical malpractice that takes place there. How do we get to a point whereby we curb that experience such that it doesn't then become an adversarial relationship which plays out in the courts? Nobody is served by being in the courts, not the patient, not the department, not the professional.
1: Yeah, I think... um you would say that the other part of costing is not the department to decide, but essentially it means that when we are able to ration out and pay entrenching, we can afford some of the things and utilize the money effectively and efficiently to improve the very system that had a negative effect on the patient. So my argument or my, my <coughs> point is that we need to correct the situation in the healthcare system to make sure that the same mistakes don't happen again you know a patient must not wait longer for a seizure to be done you know so we need to be creative innovative to get something to happen that we are able to get the patient on time to theater so retraining is also a big matter you know and a uh, part of what we do when we discuss adverse event in the healthcare system is that we do a lot of retraining uh, we talk about it and then people will have their views and opinion and then ultimately we agree as a collective that you should have done this and, yeah. this, and, yeah. this, and yeah. this and this and yeah. this and this and I think that's developmental and that's constructive and if needs be if a person needs to be supervised going forward for a particular period of time so that we can see if they are able to do things uh, properly but the other important thing about butupili is the essential part of transparency and accountability Absolutely. That, that this part of process of discussing the adverse event actually infuses in the whole thing that somebody must account and we, t- we need to be transparent about the outcomes.
0: Let's take calls. We have Lorraine from KZN and Paul from EKuruleni. Lorraine first.
2: Good evening to you and Mr.
0: Dr. Masuku. Masuku. Yes.
2: Uh, happy birthday to your mom <laughs> Thank you so much Lorraine Thanks for listening
0: I appreciate
3: that
2: uh, I enjoy the program very much But on a more serious note yes. I'd just like to commend What the government's proposing I can see the thrust Of where we're going with this As much as I don't understand Much of it Like most of the public Because we're less informed And this is my contribution Can the government not establish a blog where they feed input to the whole of South Africa, mm. those who want to read and want to know, so that they can have inputs because everybody has the right to do so yes. and would like to, I would imagine. But we, like myself, I have to rely on information, snippets courtesy of radio like SAFM, and I suppose other radio stations are doing it. But how many South Africans have access to radio or TV or whatever the case might be? Because government has much to learn, especially from the public who uses these facilities, as they rely on what, the and I would imagine the little, the little they know, because how often do they go, especially to public hospitals and clinics etc etc with due respect and um, yeah that's what I would propose and um, something that disappointed me though was I watched Dr. Zwerin Kizer being interviewed on TV the other day and the DA had wanted um, an interview with him and He declined, politely, albeit, but I don't see the point. So, Ngezi, this is a matter of national interest and one that involves a lot of effort, a lot of money, uh, etc., etc., etc. He should have given the DA the benefit of the doubt. That, to me, would be leadership.
0: Granted, thank you so much, Alison. We're sorry. Thank you you so much, Lorraine Lorraine. from KZN, confirming to us the the point is I think is information asymmetry from healthcare sector to the consumer. Let's go to the Free State where we have somebody by the name of Daddy. Good evening, Daddy.
4: Yes, evening sir. How are you?
0: Thanks. How are you? Fine,
4: man. Evening, MSC. Daddy. Yes, sir. Look, I'm 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 very much interested in. because uh, in relation to how much ad- the amount, how much of the amount allocated for health services goes to the wage bill, you know, and there, if it's possible, maybe a further breakdown to say how much of that goes to professionals and how much that goes goes to auxiliary uh, staff. And the reason why I'm asking this, mm. I'm trying to. Very deep in terms of the uh, feasibility of the national uh, insurance, health insurance, whatever, whatever. Because where I'm sitting, the major problem for us as a country on anything that we attempt to implement is the cost. And are we getting value? As far as the uh, personnel is concerned, basically, that, that, that is what is informing the question I'm posing. Thank, thank, you, thank you so you much. much.
0: Thanks, Daddy, calling us from the free state. To remember, if you want to participate, 0891 104 My name is Song Azamabed. Drop us as well a voice note on 0614 107. I'm in conversation with the MEC for Health here in Gauteng, Dr. Mandile Masugu. Two questions one about information asymmetry, the other. About the wage bill and broken down between professionals and auxiliary services
1: you know the um, the wage bill is a is a big thing cost of employment and in housing currently we are on fifty eight percent fifty eight percent yeah, and let me tell you the irony about it The irony about it is that we still we, we know that we we are understaffed, so it means that yo, yo. essentially the bill must it must go up. It must shoot up if we have to meet up the services that we require to to provide. And the highest bill, I think, was around 75, 78. But the department then went uh, under administration because immediately when it gets there, it means you don't have any money for any other thing to do but i think for Houting, we are still at the safe zone but the safe zone is costing us because the quality of healthcare gets sacrificed and compromised
0: what is a safe zone
1: uh, of 58% you know they say the standard is supposed to be between 60 and 62% of know? the
0: entire budget going to wages
1: yes because the a service ridden it's a service driven type of service that we have sure and i think maybe in the next 4, 5 years or 10 years when automation comes in it might save uh, a lot of human related uh, issues but in terms of the people in the front line, nurses, <coughs> doctors and everything we are still going to require more and we have to we have to fill in and make sure that there's no point where we say we didn't have a nurse today, we didn't have a doctor today or you waited longer because you are the patients are many and there's mm. only one doctor available so it's a debate that we also have to have it and and say balance the risk and balance the benefit you know the other the other risk is the one that we spoke about earlier of of medical negligence but in terms of waiting mm. you know so the salary bill should be something that we look at uh, people who are accountants they look at it like you are a bit amazed on when i say 58 it's almost like okay i want to push it up to around 62 Hopefully, the treasure will allow me. But I know that I'll be have delivered at least uh, basic services to the people. And I think that's what we need to do uh, with this. And people who work in the healthcare sector, in the fraternity, I want to relate, to to actually say to them that they are actually healthcare workers. So even the training, the mindset, and everything should be, even if a potter, a cleaner, mm, mm, important, mm. an important part Absolutely. of the system. Absolutely. You know? So it doesn't really matter whether it's auxiliary or not. I think everyone, if you're in the healthcare space, you are very important. Theater must be cleaned in time. Patient must be collected on time in, in the ward to go to CT scan or wherever.
0: Otherwise, so, opportunistic diseases and conditions will pertain.
1: So we need, to, we need to be able to do that. Sure. And the information symmetry, I share, I share the same concern. In the data management in the health system is, particularly in the department, is a problem. You know it's it's not very fair that people who want to know things about health, things that happen within our sector, within our department, they go to other websites, for an example, to go and look for information. The pot of information on health must be from the Department of Health, nowhere else, you know, and I think we need to properly manage that space and share the information quite correctly. And I suppose that uh, she's talking about the National health insurance. Uh, the bill is out there. Uh, it needs public comment and public participation to shape it. And I think the debate is actually welcome. The dialogue is welcome. You know, the whole day today I've been discussing it mm. on Twitter on WhatsApp and everything. And it, it's, it starts to shape because the, d- the discussion evolves, you know, and you'll see other angles that you didn't realize. And I think that's the whole purpose of the public participation. But the information should be shared and it should be shared
0: adequately. How, the idea that a blog be drafted, I mean, be made live. Uh, what do you, is your response to that? Suggestion? I
1: agree. I agree. I think uh, Facebook actually gives us a, a better aspect and better coverage. Twitter also helps us with a better coverage, and Twitter also has got another element to it of um, being one of the complaint uh, pathways where a mm-hmm. complaint can be initiated and be followed up. And I think that's what, uh, but it's something that will follow it up with the with the
0: people that deal with communication. That's why I'm looking at him. <laughs> okay, I'll hold you to that. Let's go to Mpo from Erkuruleno. He's back. Good evening, Mpo.
5: Good evening, gentlemen. How are you?
0: Good evening. Well, thank you, sir. How are yes,
5: you? I'm good. Uh, Minister, um, as far as concerned, I think everybody is trying to run away from the real problem in terms of investigations. And funding and resources. Because, one, when you talk about staff morale or staff development, we have seen that the heart of the, of the health system, you find it, are the employees. Most employees, the majority of the health sector, it's nurses. But, till two things, nurses are there 24 hours and they are less paid. To expect nurses to, to to be happy when they're less paid, where you find secret card are in modern nurses. People who went to school who have degrees, and you say saying, you're fixing the your problems. And the implications will always be there because now we don't want to hire, we don't want to pay people what's due to them. And the ideas that you can, with very good, I uh, need to speak with that. But if we have more staff, proper staff ratio, in terms of the analysis, because they are always there, twenty-four seven, compared to other health supporting staff or the health team, these are, these are the hard people. These are the core people of the health system. And if we take care of the employees, I think most problems will go away. Thank you
0: so much, Paul. Thank you. MEC is going to reply to that.
5: I
1: think Paul was listening to us last week. I think it was too. I think he was. I think I was listening last week because I think it's one of our priorities um, in terms of uh, staff morale. And uh, I got excited when I got a presentation of the work that has been done now and what we're going to launch because it's going to be revolutionary. Uh, it's going to change the mindset and it's going to also show a different approach on appreciation of staff. And I think it's something that... Um, the public must watch the space, and particularly for those who work in the system.
0: What must they look out for?
1: They they will see. I think it's, it's it's a good program dealing with a whole range of things from rewards, uh, appreciation, recognition, training, um, and and a whole lot, you know. But most importantly, is about recognition and and actually putting up people who do good work in a great pedestal and be recognized. And it's something that. In our health system really happens even now you know most of the things that people talk about when the health system it's like 99% of the time it's only bad things happening in the system and that's not only a, it's not a, an accurate picture
0: Will we get to a point where first of all we uh, embrace technology I was just today at the hospital I can see on your hand And one is forced to read terms and conditions and then sign. Do you consent to this? Then you're going for a CT scan. Then you're going for an X-ray. And then you're getting examined by this one and that one. At what point do we, first of all, understand that this is a patient who for the most part doesn't care about signing anything but rather is bent on getting better? And to the extent that he or she just tells what symptoms he or she is experiencing, how they feel and what interventions they might want, Why can we then not move on with the healthcare intervention? Why don't we embrace technology? Because all of these questions are coming because they want my signature. For goodness sake, I've given my signature. They know it's me. I've consented to this. That's why I've presented myself there. That's one. And this ties into an extent about when you go there and they say, no, the system is offline. I mean, that is South Africa's best response to when somebody doesn't want to do anything behind the counter. The system is offline. You've got nowhere verifying that.
1: Yeah, I think consent is important. Um, most of the medical litigation <laughs> issues relate to consent, you know, so we have to, in essence, get consent, you know, and consent, you have to go through every bits and pieces of it. I'll make an example. There's a, a form for consent for a caesarean section uh, from, I think it's one of the medical universities in Australia, south of Australia. It is like 15 pages long. You know, because at at bara we were faced with a problem where people were saying that we are not consenting enough. You know, we are not in in we are not informing patients of anything that can happen during a season. You know, and when you look at the page, it's 15 pages. It's extensive. It talks about complications, what could happen when the complication like this happens, and all that. But I think it's part of just making sure to empower the patient when they make a decision that they make an informed decision but automation and information system even if we can do that auto you know in a in a tablet we still have to get your consent from you and i think we are looking at uh, taking advantage on the the new era of automation and something that we are going to be doing in terms of queue management patient registration um centralizing, not centralizing, what, what do I want to say? Actually making sure that there's connectivity, mm-hmm. you know, integration. like you like have been to hospital next week, we must be able to retrieve correct what you we went through today. Systems and integration. And, and even get every investigation that you we went through. So that's where we are m- we're moving to, in terms of IT. And there are a lot of people who, I think, I mean, I've got more than 58 meetings of re- request of people who want to present a system or two and everything to the department to the department
0: so excellent when's that happening because that's a procurement issue
1: it's a procurement issue and if that's the number it means we need to get a different way of how we're going to l- sit down and listen to Your all specifications
0: of them. are wrong you can't be yeah. attracting 58 people
1: every no, everybody have not asked what we want they they have solutions they have queue queue management solution the other one I is see, yeah. so. Everybody,
0: but bits and pieces of the overall framework.
1: But we need one framework which is going to be integratable, portable, but they call it portability
0: and adaptability mm-hmm. of the system. Correct. Mm. Offline, tea breaks, experience, professionalization. How do you intend to make that intervention? Because you will not always be there. Outside training, they are there. How do you make sure that the system remains online? That I don't get told the system is offline when I have this pain? How do I make sure that it isn't time? In fact, when it is tea time, no one disputes the fact that somebody can take a break. I mean, statutorily, basic conditions of employment allows them to do that. But the replacement of persons like you going to a bank and there are ten tellers there and there are three people manning them. or I mean, no. that shouldn't be happening. I think it's a, it's a, a. we need a, an
1: innovative way of managing uh, tea breaks or breaks themselves. Because I, I know other people don't take breaks until they finish their their bit of work for the day. You know, I know a, a whole lot of them, mm. you know, who just when they come in after their ward rounds they go straight to the clinic they see whatever number, 50 or so, and until they finish they don't go on a break. Other people bring their lunchbox and sit with it next to so that we don't disrupt the service. But I guess that it needs just an innovative way of how we can be able to have a continuous system without having time where people are breaking off just for tea. Maybe we can give people 10-30 minutes, other one, so that the, the system just gets continuous. But it just needs an innovative team leader to be able to do that.
0: Final comments and questions. You've got two to three minutes to engage MEC Dr. Bandile Masugu of the Gauteng Department of Health. Just out of interest, sir, you mentioned the fact that the department is a service-based um, sector, if you like. Are there figures, I mean, I'm responding to this wage bill of being, what, currently 58%, but the service output can amount to quite a lot of money. Do you have actual numbers, just to give an indication as to the service is worth so much? I'd, f- I'd have to check. I think
1: the basic things that we know is a number of visits, that mm-hmm. we like a number of patients and it can be one person coming in 10 times. Mm-hmm. But annually we are looking at around 23, 24 million people in terms of visits in all our facilities. 23 million visits? In, in Gauteng. In and 365 days? In Gauteng. You know, and that's a hell lot of
0: people. We don't have, we, we, we don't have a healthy nation. <laughs> I mean, that should just We're tell we are not healthy having people. healthy
1: And the other thing that you need to know is that when we use... Proper ratios and standards. Mm -hmm. It might mean that, but I'll have to come back to you on the actual. What does it really
0: cost? That would be quite interesting. Final comments and thoughts, Musa, in Ranfontein. Good evening, Musa. Good evening, Musa.
3: Hi. Good evening, Yezo and uh, good evening to uh, Dr. Mm Masuku. I called uh, last week, and uh, but uh, have you guys um, met? Excuse me. Have you met? No 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 because uh uh Dr. Masuku had suggested that we could meet uh you know over social media now I have uh for personal reasons I've canceled all my accounts for Facebook Twitter and so forth that meant uh, or for now at least it means that I don't have such uh, connectivity um, but but what I wanted to ask him uh uh, I've worked in the U.S. and, of course, in the U.K. as well. But then I realized in the U.S. almost all hospitals would have a professional ethicist on staff, and then they would have ethics consults. It seems to me that uh, such consults diminish uh, the often uh, litigation that uh, we talk about, where people, um, patients, families and staff and, and uh, medical staff can come together have ethics consults, which often tend to resolve uh, what might have been a problem uh, legal-wise. So I, I doubt whether, I mean, I wonder whether in South Africa we are at that stage where we could, in hospitals, have uh, actual hired uh, ethicists. Uh, himself now uh, doing mm. his master's in that. I wanted to know whether he could foresee uh, hospitals in South Africa that is public
0: hospitals hiring ethicists. Excellent question. Thank you so much Musa. I do implore you that you still meet because there's a lot that you can get out of each other. MEC final response? Ethicists in the public healthcare sector? I think they are
1: needed and uh, one of the things that is expected of us as medical practitioners is to who understand the basics of the ethics. Mm. You know, uh, the four, We've got four principles that we, we follow basically. For all of us, confidentiality, uh, redistributive justice, um, do no harm, non-maleficence, and always do good. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the basic principles that we follow in terms of ethics. But I think it's a good it's a good suggestion that uh, he's actually bringing about. Because even the difficult discussions that we have um, on patients who are in ICU and having to decide what you need to do, usually we do get people who have that qualification to come and provide the basis of what uh, the p- the next action would be you know so I think it's a good idea I think uh, it's not it's not uh, it's something that we should be doing and I think also part of training uh, mm-hmm. retraining and doing making it a second uh, second nature
0: very well let thank you so much thank two you. Mondays in a row we probably will not have you here next week no <laughs> but uh, oh, dear, that was quick. But um, feel free to come back anytime you wish, because I think this conversation, as these conversations are, they are ongoing. We, some things need to be reinforced time and again. There will be different things that come to your table that you would want to mass distribute, especially in response to Lorraine's point about information asymmetry. Yeah. And it's good at times to have the principal owning owning the environment, if you like, owning the sector and speaking what is necessary to be heard by the people and we certainly don't take your time for granted. We thank you for coming again this week.
1: Okay, thank you and I'll always be available when needed to,
0: to come back. I hope David Mamela heard that. David, you heard <laughs> that, eh? <laughs> okay. Dr. Bandil Masuku, Houding, Department of Health, MEC. Thank you so much. 2145, it's time for our daily SOP Psychotic Minds.